Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Lavender Woman Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, I'm so glad that you're here. If you have not listened to episode one, the introductory episode, please go back and listen. It gives you insight on what a Lavender Woman is and what to expect from this podcast. This episode is really special to me because we have a special guest. Um, This guest and I, we go back several years. We used to attend the same church. We used to sing on the praise team together. She is my friend, a woman I can trust, a woman I can count on, and she is also an educator. I welcome my sister, Miss Jana Jackson, to the Lavender Woman podcast. Thank you for having me today. Oh, you're so very welcome. It's so good to be here. <laughs> also, we are recording live from the Washington, D.C. area. So yes. I've had a good little weekend away, just needed some downtime, spent time with family and friends, and I had to have some time with my girl Absolutely. while I was in the area, okay? Absolutely. So um, let's tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, I am Jana Jackson. Um, I have been a teacher for 12 years I have um, my bachelor's in early childhood psychology. I have a master's in educational management. I come from a family of teachers. My mother was a teacher, my brother, my grandmother. I have aunts who teach on the college level. Um, My family teaches mostly high school. I'm the only one in my family, though, who teaches on an elementary level. So I do think that's interesting. So It it is interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is great. I also come from a family of educators, but I just never, I knew it was never going to be my thing. So (laughs) I didn't even go there. But yeah, so that's great. So what grades have you taught in the past? I am certified pre-K through three, and I have taught all of those. Okay. Um, Kindergarten is definitely my favorite. Um, the children definitely do get more mature as they, you know, of course my third graders are more independent and things like that, but kindergarten's my favorite and you could not pay me enough to go back to pre-K. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even do it. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so in this episode, we're going to be dissecting all the things that teachers want you to know. Mm-hmm. I feel that this is a really important episode because our teachers, our educators, are literally some of the most important people in our children's lives. And I have two children, one in high school, one in elementary. I'm very active in their schools. I'm a part of their educational journey. So I just feel like there's some things that, as an educator, they want us to know that we may not know. You may have the best intentions, you know, in mind and at heart, but you may just not know some of these things from a teacher's perspective. So I'm glad to sit down with my friend, my sisters, to go over the things from an educator's point of view that they want us to know. So let's start with what should administrators know? As a teacher, what do you want administrators to know? I just wish that administrators would remember how they felt when they were a teacher. Mm. Um, I feel like so many administrators come in, whether they're a brand new administrator or whether they've been an administrator for a while, there's certain things that when they come to a new school that they want to implement and it's just piled on top of the things that are already on a teacher's shoulders. And if they could just remember the stresses they went through when they were a teacher, right. then I, I, I would want them to alleviate some of that for us. Exactly. You know? But yeah. I also know that things do come down the pike. So the, the procedures and policies that they are now implementing are not coming from them. It's coming mm-hmm. from the educational directors above them. You know, it all trickles down. Right. So, but it would just be great if principals could remember how they felt when they were a teacher exactly. to try to alleviate some of that pressure and stress for us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the biggest hiccup in that area as far as your administrators are concerned? It all boils down to pressure. Mm. Right? Now that we have these state standardized testing. Can we can we talk about oh that for a second? Gosh. Can we just talk about how I despise oh all of this standardized testing? It's terrible. It's and horrible. everybody despises it. It puts too much pressure on the kids as mm-hmm. well. You know, I understand the pressure on the teachers, yeah. but it puts pressure on the children as well because if they don't make a certain score, I mean, it's like it's the end of the world. When I taught third grade, which in Virginia is where the testing starts, I had babies coming to school throwing up because they were so nervous. And and I feel like you shouldn't even 
an eight-year-old shouldn't even know the pressure exactly. of that test. Exactly. But then, you know, the teachers put that pressure on the students because in some districts, in some states, mm -hmm. the teachers' pay is affected exactly. by the scores that their children exactly. get. Exactly. And the big thing with the standardized testing is that the tests are created by people who are no longer in the classroom. Exactly. So they're so detached and removed mm -hmm. from what's happening. Mm -hmm. But yet we still have to pass these tests that don't match the curriculum. It doesn't match what's taught on a day-to-day -day basis. And it's, I don't know, but the principals feel that pressure because they want their school to do well. Exactly. Um, so they, the pressure comes down on their shoulders, which comes down on the teacher's shoulders, mm -hmm. which ends up on the students' and parents' shoulders. And it's just a cycle. It is, and it's a horrible cycle. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're setting our kids up at early ages to have anxiety yep. and even maybe some forms of depression yes. because some kids may be really intelligent or bright, but they could be poor test takers. Right. You know, Absolutely. I have a child that is a poor test taker. Mm -hmm. She can do well on any other assignments, any written assignments, but when it comes to a test, yeah. she's just a poor Nervous. test taker. Yeah. And the pressure that it puts on the children to do exceptionally well and, you know, I see schools who lose accreditation yes. because of low yes. testing. And it's just, it's unfair. We're stressing our kids out before life Too even gets their hands much. on them, Let you them know? Let, them, Let be them be kids. Let them be children. It's horrible. So even as a parent, mm -hmm. I have to deal with that pressure because they come home freaking out. Like, yeah. Mom, you know, I have my test on Tuesday. I'm nervous. And we're just trying to cram information. Right. And it's like they almost can't be children anymore they because they have so much pressure on them um, to do well on these tests. Right. I just think that whole area, and I'm not an educator by any means, but that whole entire just, it just needs to be revamped. It, it needs to be revisited and something different needs to be put in place. Mm -hmm. um, I know I work closely with a tutor who says her son teaches in South Carolina and they implemented yoga oh, and meditation wow into the curriculum That's to help awesome. students not be so nervous about the standardized mm -hmm. testing. Yes. So they have mandatory meditation and yoga classes. They need that for the teachers too. You know, like everyone needs to take place. I wish they had that in my job, okay? Right, exactly. Can I have a moment of just quiet exactly. and meditation, just a little zen moment? But yeah, that's what they've done at that particular um, county in mm -hmm. South Carolina yep. to help eliminate so much pressure and stress on the students. I think that's brilliant. Is it is. Brilliant. I told her, like, if we could get that here, it probably could help a lot of students. But I understand what you're saying from that, because even as a parent, I feel the pressure. Mm -hmm. So as a teacher, I know that your pressure is elevated right. because even if the students do well, it's a reflection on the teacher. Mm -hmm. If the students don't do well, it's a reflection on the teacher. Exactly. And it's not always a fair reflection of not, the teacher. It's not because the way I mean, we the. The problem that the teachers have with these tests mm -hmm. is that they're not worded in a way that we talk. Exactly. They're not worded in the way exactly. that we teach. You exactly. Know? And they're worded in such an inhuman, robotic kind of way that the children don't understand the directions. And the the script that you, because you're given a script, mm -hmm. that you have to read the directions for these tests. And then if a child has a question, mm. you're only allowed to say, reread the directions, do your best. Mm. So, you, so they're nervous because... They're thinking, well, my teacher doesn't usually answer me like that. Right. And throughout right. the year, everything is so small group and let me work and let me help you and let me guide you through this. But then all of a sudden on test day, it's like, nope, can't help you. Can't help you Figure at all. It out. And it's, that, that's not normal for a test that also does not count for a grade. I don't know if these parents know this, mm -hmm. but the test doesn't count for a grade. They, they can't go on a report card. They can't go on a progress report. Um, and it can't hold a child back. So if a child does not do well on this one test mm -hmm. at this one time during the year, mm -hmm. it can't hold them back. Whereas I've seen that pressure that trickles down from the state to the principal, to the teacher, to the kids. I've seen the teachers get so stressed out because they want their students to do well. Okay. That they will actually tell the students, mm -hmm. if you don't do well on this test, you will repeat third grade. And that's, and that's not true. And then the kids go right. home and tell the parents. And right. The parents are calling. It's not true. So what is the reason for all of this that, you know, standardized testing? <sighs> What is the core? Like when you get down to the core of why these students have to take the standardized testing, what is it really for? It, it all boils down to percentages and scores, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. I was talking to my assistant about this because she, the assistant that I have in my classroom now, um, is a mother. Okay. And she's coming off of being a stay-at-home mom. She had a career before. Okay. She had children, was a stay-at-home mom, and now she's in my kindergarten classroom. Okay. And she asks me these same questions, mm -hmm. and I told her that from a teacher's point of view, mm -hmm. it's 
to make the school look good. Right. Right. So if you have a new parent who is moving into XYZ city. Okay. And they're trying to put their child in a good school. Okay. It's a good thing to be able to look online and say, oh, well, these scores are here. Got you. But they're not understanding what those scores mean. Mm -hmm. Because to a teacher, they don't really mean much. Okay. They don't mean much at all. Okay. Because that test is here today and literally gone tomorrow. We don't grade it. We don't check it. Mm. It's it's proctored. Like, there's people monitoring. And so that test, because of the stress around it and because it it doesn't, not that it's not important. It's good to assess children and and to see what they know. Right, right. On these particular standardized tests, the accuracy is a little off. Mm. Um, But ultimately, the state wants to know how the school is doing. So the people... Who are the the state? Mm-hmm. Um, they create these tests based on what they think an eight year old should know, based on what they are are assuming the curriculum has in it, which the, the test doesn't always match. Like it's 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 messy. <laughs> it's messy. I it can't is. I can't explain it any other way. But it's all for percentages and scores, and and then of course there's always a financial aspect. There's funding. Exactly. The schools who do the best, the mm-hmm. areas who do the best, get more money and, mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, so it's because they have more people who move in to those areas mm-hmm. and then the personal property taxes go towards school. You know, it's it's all a, to me, it boils down to finances and scores. Which is unfair to the children. To the eight-year-olds, it's exactly. It's so unfair mm-hmm. to put that much pressure on an eight-year-old. Yeah, absolutely. They should not have to have that much pressure to go to school to pass standardized testing right. to... And that's why you also have the schools, I remember I interviewed in Georgia, mm-hmm. and their whole testing, their whole interview process for me was about testing mm. and integrity. Mm. So the questions on the interview, mm-hmm. teacher interview panel, the questions would be like, you know, you know, little Sammy isn't doing well on problem 14. Do you, A, tell him the answer, B, change the answer for him, or C, you know, tell him you can't help him. And I'm like, wow, because, you know, there was that big cheating scandal. There was that cheating but scandal, I like remember. But things that mm-hmm. come out of the pressure. You know, if you have a principal who's working at maybe a, a lower income school or a right. Title One school right. or a school that's just not doing well for whatever reason, then they're going to feel pressure or else these doors will close exactly. in a few years. I've exactly. seen that happen. Exactly. And um, if they don't want their doors to close, if they don't want that accreditation banner to come down, mm-hmm. then they're going to do what they felt like at the time they need to do. I'm not condoning what they did. Absolutely. But there were certain schools where they would have, you know, um, fix the test parts mm-hmm. where they, the teachers would get together and erase things and put and and while that's not right it comes from the stress it comes from the stress and when you think about children so many children are already fighting battles Mm -hmm. and obstacles that they should not be at that age anyway and I feel like school should be a um, place conducive to learning Mm -hmm. it should be a safe environment it should be a fun environment it should be an environment that's not as stressful because so many kids have enough stress at home Mm -hmm. Um, they may be in broken households they may be going through parents who are getting divorced you know they may be living with another family member because they may have a parent that is um, you know incarcerated or a family member that is maybe on some type of drugs or even family they maybe have parents who passed away and these children already have enough on their Mm -hmm. plate to go to school to have the pressure of passing a test when they're already just trying to be just trying to make it just trying to make it just trying to be a normal eight-year-old and it's just not fair to the student at the end of the day it's just unfair it is and I, I remember when I taught third grade that was the year where I left teaching. Mm. I'm currently teaching now, but after I taught third grade, that was my ninth year of teaching. Okay. And I said, I can't, the, the, the one thing about the test is that the way the test is set up, the way the test is worded, all it requires is the child to regurgitate what they know. Mm. There's no thinking. Yeah. There's no application. Yeah. And so when I saw that in a, you don't, they always have this thing about teaching to the test because that came about because the wording on the test was so weird, mm-hmm. right? That now you have to, in your classroom, during your instruction, you have to use that crazy wording so that the children get used to hearing it, right? Okay, okay. And you have to teach the problems in a way that they're gonna be taught on this one test for like one week in May. Exactly. You know what I mean? So you teach your whole year to accommodate the scores that one may test. happen on the right, test. Right, right. And I, when it came down to basic things, the children could not form their own opinion. Right. I would ask them a, a yes or no question or an opinion or a question that didn't have to do with anything. I just literally wanted to know their own opinion and they couldn't give it to me. They were looking at me like, I don't know, you didn't tell me this. Right. You know, I asked a kid once, you know, how would you feel? 
we read a story about a, a child who was riding a bike and their bike got stolen. Okay. And then the child in the story went through a series of events to get their bike back or whatever. And I remember asking the children, well, how would you feel if your bike got stolen? Mm. You know, what would you do? And they couldn't tell me. They were looking at me like, oh, no, you didn't you didn't quiz me on this yet. Like, wow. And I, I, it wasn't even that kind of, I was conversation. Right. And they couldn't even give me their own opinion. Right. So I said, this is wrong. It's preventing them from thinking, from wrong. using exactly. their own minds to determine. They can't yeah. do it. Yeah. They can't do it. And so I left for four years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I came back renewed and ready to go. And I came back teaching kindergarten because honestly, the kindergartens get assessments. Um, but not like this. Okay. Not like this at all. And okay. then when you were talking about the different barriers to the test, mm -hmm. I teach in a district now where, like, I have 23 children in my kindergarten class. Okay. 16 of which mm -hmm. have a non-English speaking parent at home. Oh, wow. So when you talk about divorces and, you know, like, language. Right. They can't read the test. Right. And it's not like we're giving the test in Urdu to the children who speak. They're all English. So exactly. if you don't know English... By the time you're eight, good luck. You know, I mean, because it's not like they might get assistance or they might get extra time on the test. Okay. But for me to have 16 children who go home and so don't non speak English, wow. that's huge. But yet they're still required to pass this English test. It's, it's too much pressure that's, on these that's kids. It, it needs to go away. It I does. Feel like it needs to go it away. It needs to go away. And I don't know what we need to do <laughs> to advocate for that. It needs to be some kind of legislature, write a bill, pass it, something. Like mm -hmm. something like that because it's not going to happen with just teachers complaining. Um, the complaints are valid. Right. But we still have these tests though. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I don't know the solution to that. But I, that, it does need to go away. Okay. Maybe that's something that we will, we will. talk about later <laughs> Because yeah. we need to advocate for mm -hmm. our, you know, for these children. It's right. too much pressure. It is. It's too and much it's pressure. Ridiculous. So, as an educator, mm -hmm. what do parents need to know? We've talked about what administrators right. need to know, what you know, people at the top need to know. Mm -hmm. But parents, the parents of your students, right. what do you need them to know? I would like parents to know mm -hmm. that. We love your babies. Oh, yes. <laughs> At the yes. end of the day, we love your children mm -hmm. too, but mm -hmm. differently than a parent's love. Exactly. You know, mm -hmm. we want them to succeed academically. Right. And everything else is kind of secondary. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a teacher. That's, right. We, we, we want to make sure that you're absorbing what I'm saying. Exactly. Um, whereas teachers are concerned about, um, oh, I love my baby. My baby's so cute. My baby is growing this way. You know, it's, it's just a different kind of, of love. You know, mm -hmm. um, our best is different than a parent's best. Okay. You know, and I'm actually not a parent, so mm -hmm. maybe you could tell me what you look for in a, in, a, in a child. But, like, I, from what I look for in a student, are they making growth? Mm -hmm. In June, can mm -hmm. I say that you've grown exponentially since September? That makes me happy. And that makes know? sense to me as a mm -hmm. parent. I feel like to teach is, is definitely, like, a passion, mm -hmm. a calling. It's not for everyone. Right, it's not. It's not for everyone. It's not for the faint at heart. Right, you know, it's right. not for everyone. So I believe the teachers do love our, our kids. Mm -hmm. And because you have to have a passion to teach, you have to have a yeah. calling to teach. Yeah. And because you have that calling and you share that passion, you love my child mm -hmm. from an educational standpoint. Mm -hmm. You want my child to succeed. You right. want my child to do her best. You want them to be successful. You want to see that growth like you were speaking right. about from the beginning of the school year at mm -hmm. the end of the school year. Um, and that's what's important to a teacher. Mm -hmm. So I can definitely relate to that. And I think that's definitely how I view my, my kids' teachers. Um, I sit down with them at the beginning of the school year, you know, to let them know my kids' problem areas. Mm -hmm. And that they always seem to be appreciative of that just to know going in the areas help. that they you know may need extra attention in or that they lack in right. and it seems to help them and because on the flip side mm -hmm. you have parents especially those early education parents mm -hmm. kindergarten pre-k parents you have certain parents who don't want to tell you mm -hmm. the issues because mm -hmm. they think that i'm going to judge their child or mm -hmm. treat their child differently but I'm gonna find out anyway. You're exactly. So why not <laughs> give you a heads exactly. up so that you'll know what to I'm expect? I'm going to bring you my concerns right. in a week anyway because we know what to look for. Exactly. You know? so exactly. So people think, oh, I'm not gonna tell you this. I had a child with um, an IEP mm -hmm. when I taught second grade, mm -hmm. and I didn't even know it for the first three, four months of school. And I'm thinking, what is the deal with this? Like I don't understand. I'm trying to reach him. I'm trying to get through to him. Mm -hmm. um, and I. Later, it was brought to me. Oh, we forgot to tell you, so and so has paperwork. You know, and it's just like I, 
don't do it to be dishonest. Right. I'm only here to help. Exactly. I'm not going to judge your child. Exactly. Or treat I'm you. here to help your but child. But that's doing your child a disservice. Exactly. By hiding paperwork from me. Exactly. Because now I'm not accommodating. And that thing is a legal document. It is. And for our listeners who may not know what an IEP is, can you explain what an sure, IEP is? Sure. And also, um, I, my kids have 504 plans. Okay. So if you could go into detail Absolutely. what a 504 plan is, you know, is as well for right. listeners who just may not know what those legal school documents right. are. So an IEP is an individual or individualized education plan, mm -hmm. okay? And for children who may have some sort of learning block, a learning okay. disability, maybe they're dyslexic, maybe they're, um, I have some children in my class with processing issues. Right. So they mm -hmm. can't understand directions the first one or two times. Exactly. You have to give them extra time. Mm -hmm. You know, so anything that impacts what they're actually learning. Okay. If something hinders their actual absorption of the, the knowledge that you're trying to teach them, then an IEP is in place. Okay. okay? Um, and that will have accommodations on it. Maybe they need extra time. Maybe they need preferential seating. Maybe they need, if you give the class 10 addition problems, maybe they only get four. Right. That's all they can handle, mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to adjust your teaching for that child that way. A 504 is different because it's not saying that there's a there's an actual block to the learning. They can get the information, but maybe they're ADD mm -hmm. or something that, um, is not hindering their actual learning. They may be doing great, mm -hmm. but they still need accommodation. Right. So to a child who, you know, I have a, ch I have a child uh, in my class now who does have an IEP um, and they need certain accommodations. She has to sit next to me. Okay. You know, she needs shorter work time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but a I haven't seen a child actually with a 504 in a while, um, but the child with a 504 will have a non- academic issue. I've also heard of children with a 504 uh, having a 504 because they're diabetic. Mm -hmm. And so they might miss class mm -hmm. for certain reasons that they mm -hmm. have to go do insulin shots. Exactly. They're out in the hospital. Yeah. So it's just accommodating anything that could impact learning, whether it's actual like a disability, mm -hmm. which would be um, lined out in an IEP, or whether it's just another non-disability issue right that's 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 hindering the classroom performance and i think it's important for parents to educate themselves on what um i guess accommodations are available for their children mm -hmm. who may have some issues um just gaining knowledge in those areas so that you can help your child the best way that you can mm -hmm. and so that that can also help the teacher in turn teach your child um and i know with the, those documents, the 504 specifically, I'm not that um, well versed in the IEP, mm -hmm. but that document can follow children into mm -hmm. college. It sure can. So it, it can sure follow can. your child all the way through college, and that college has to um, pretty much do the same accommodations yep. that they sure got. Do. And the accommodations can change year to year yeah. depending on the need of the child, but it can go with your child through college. So if you have a student who, like she said, maybe doesn't have a learning disability, but has something that is maybe hindering them and you're worried about college, mm -hmm. if you have that document in place, it can follow them to college. So I think that's a great, yeah. a great accommodation to have Absolutely. for those particular types of students. I, I have a friend who actually, her daughter was in that situation. Mm -hmm. Her daughter is a thriving young adult, mm -hmm. now a beautiful girl. She just got engaged actually. Okay. But she um, uh, had a 504. She had like a dyslexic kind of mm -hmm. issue but only in math okay I forgot the name there's some word for it I forgot the word but that thing followed her through college yep. and the goal of an IEP is to teach them um, skills to to cope mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. with with whatever their disability is okay but um, and the goal is to get them off of that IEP mm -hmm. or that 504 at mm -hmm. some point you know there's mm -hmm. progress but if they need it Give it to them. Right. It's a legal document. Exactly. It has to be honored. And it, a lot of parents don't know that, so I'm glad you brought that up, but it can go to college with them. Yes, so. it can. Mm -hmm. Also, I know when I was in school, and we're not going to talk about how old I am because <laughs> we're just not going to go there today, but I remember specifically when I was in school, um, children with um, IEP or special education needs were always kept separate from general ed. Yeah. Um, it was always special education classes and then you had your general education mm -hmm. classes. Now they're doing a more, um, what is it called? Inclusion. Inclusion, um, inclusion yeah. classes. So in my youngest daughter who's in fifth grade, mm -hmm. she is in an inclusion class mm -hmm. and she has students in there that have some pretty severe mm -hmm. issues and then she has some students in her class with rather minor issues. As an educator, how does that affect your classroom? And would you, oh and from a parent's <laughs> point of view, would you recommend 
Would you suggest that maybe we need to go back to those separate classes or should we keep them in an inclusion? Because I know that parents were feeling a way about their children being right. separated. Right. So how does that affect the class, your teaching setting? I think that that's a great question. I do teach in an inclusion setting. Mm -hmm. And of my 12 years, I've probably taught in an inclusion setting for about 10 of them. Okay. And so I'm very used to the model. What I do know is that now that I'm teaching in a different state, mm -hmm. um, the models aren't always the same. Okay. Right? So when I was in Virginia, teaching I was the regular ed teacher in this inclusion setting so okay. in a class of 20 children I may have had three okay. with an IEP right mm -hmm. and so in, in in Virginia the special ed teacher mm -hmm. would come and get those three because they were on my roster mm -hmm. they were my babies mm -hmm. but for their IEP purposes for whatever their um, disability was in terms of reading or math, the special ed teacher would come get them for the reading block. Okay. So maybe she would come get them, take them for two hours, mm -hmm. do what she did with them, accommodating their goals, and then she would bring them back to me. My whole class would go to lunch together. Okay. Right? And then she would come back to me, get them for math, take them for 45 minutes, then bring them back to me, and then we would all do science, social studies, and recess, and specials. Okay. You know, music, PE, whatever. Okay. We'd all do that together. So that way they felt included. That's Got the you. whole purpose of inclusion. Exactly. Um, and they did that because they, they weren't included. They, mm -hmm. they were that class, and mm -hmm. they had that reputation. It was kind of discriminatory. It really was. So that's, I yeah. think that was a lot of the basis for, for changing it. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it does work. Inclusion does work. If the people responsible for accommodating mm. do the work. Okay. Um, okay. I'm in a I'm in a district now where I don't really understand the inclusion procedures, and it's doing the children a disservice. If I'm if I'm going to be honest, mm -hmm. um, enough to where I told both of my principals I'm not doing it next year. Mm. Don't give me um, the children. My goal is to teach the children. I get extremely frustrated when I can't teach the children. I'm not a special ed teacher. Right. So, I'm, but I'm a regular ed teacher teaching in an inclusion setting, which means they should have. And uh, a special ed teacher to come focus on those kids. Right. But when you don't see that happening, mm. then what? Right. You know? Right. Um, progress is not being made mm -hmm. um, according to how it should be. Mm -hmm. And it, after you ask who you need to ask and talk to who you need to talk to and stuff still isn't changing, then, then what? You then know? Exactly. So What's next? Right. Inclusion works okay. if the inclusion team works. So do parents have the option to say that they do not want their child in an inclusion class if their child has a disability? Is that an option mm. for a parent or no? No, if a child has paperwork this day and age, okay. the, the, there's probably some little country town somewhere okay. that has, you know, the separate, separate classes classrooms still. all okay. day long, that kind of thing. Um, but generally speaking, okay. public school setting, you can't. You can't do that you, anymore. You have to be included. And and the reason for that is because I think it's, it's very basic. Like some of the... Um, for instance, we have autistic children. Mm -hmm. They have a classroom, but what they do where I am is they try to wean them out of that classroom. Okay. All right? Um, and a lot of that because some of the behaviors that the children mimic. Okay. So if they're in an autistic classroom all day, and this is not, you know, Asperger's mm -hmm. autism, this is, you know, on the spectrum heavily, mm -hmm. um, they're going to mimic each other. So we want them to... We have someone who are in diapers or mm -hmm. something. We want them to get out of that. But if that's all they see, that's all they're going to continue. And that is very true. Mm -hmm. um, well, we used to live in a different school district in Virginia. My oldest was at that time about three years old. And I, w I remember the daycare just saying, listen, you need to have her tested. You know, we kind of see that she's not... Uh, where other students her age are. Mm -hmm. So I had her tested and they said that there, you know, she was pretty much on the autism spectrum. And I was like, okay, well, what do we do? She's three years old. So they sent her to a separate public school program at three years old. And don't really want to say the name mm -hmm. of the program. I'll tell you right, off, okay. um, <laughs> off recording, I'll tell you. But they sent her there, and it was inside of a high school, but it was a completely separate public school program for autistic children. And my daughter could walk. She was having some speech issues um, and some processing issues. But what I noticed after having her there for a month is that she started mimicking mm. what she saw in that classroom. Mm, no so way. you had severely mm -hmm. disabled or autistic children in that setting with her. 
and she started literally doing what she saw all day. Yeah. So she came home maybe walking with, maybe dragging one mm -hmm. leg behind her because there was a student right. in our classroom who dragged a leg, who, you know, who couldn't walk mm -hmm. on that leg. She would come home holding her arm in a certain position. Right. She would come home making these noises and these yells and these sounds that she had never made right. before before putting her in that program. And I remember going to them saying, I think this is not helping mm -hmm. her. I think that it's actually hindering her. And they were like, oh no, it's working out fine. And as a parent, you have to know your child right. and you have to know what's best for your child. And I pulled her out of that program um, because the behaviors that she picked up on and the mannerisms mm -hmm. that she was um, just, it was not, to me, it was not helping her at right. all. And so we pulled her out of that program and we just sat down with the team of doctors to say, listen, what can we do to help her? And from three years old to now, she's about to be 15. She was exited from her IEP in oh. third grade. Um, she still has a 504 plan only for certain things like math accommodations and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, she's an honor roll student. That's she's in different clubs and societies in her high school. So if I feel like the parents and the teachers working together. Absolutely. It's the best mm -hmm. situation for that child to be in. Right. I can't just let my child just go right. and not be advocating for her and not be supporting the teacher as oh well. Gosh, it's right. so important for the parents to support mm -hmm. their children's teachers. Right. And so from a parent who has a child who was considered special needs, right. I can tell you for a, a fact, it's, it's um, exhausting. Mm -hmm. You have to literally just in, just in, gauge yourself and what's going on with your child learn as much as you can and be an advocate for that child mm -hmm. so Absolutely. we were a part of that program i will tell you That's about awesome. it <laughs> a little bit later but it was they stuck her with severely yeah. autistic children and severely disabled children and it did not help her yes. at all yeah i'm surprised that nobody there who worked there brought that to you no i had to bring it to them yeah and, you know, and I was new to this whole, you know, process, mm -hmm. but I just knew this wasn't right for mm -hmm. my child. Absolutely. So parents and teachers working together, it's really important. And I'm glad, and I, I do want parents to know that as well. Mm -hmm. um, your voice is so huge. So huge. Don't back down right. from what you feel in your heart. It's right. right. I've had parents, I remember I had a girl who was in kindergarten reading on a fourth grade level. Wow. So I was amazed. Right. You know, I right. was like, yes. And then her mom, though, apologized for it. Why? And I was like, um, what do you mean? And she goes, well, when we were in pre-K, mm -hmm. her, you know, her teacher said that, you know, she was too advanced. Mm -hmm. So her, the teacher asked me to stop reading so much with her. Wow. I said, are you kidding me? I don't know. <laughs> I said, you, as long as you're not beating her over the head with the book. Exactly. She's if she's ready read. to read, let her read. It's reading. Wow. There's not anything wrong. You know, there's nothing wrong with reading. Don't ever. And so she did. She stopped, mm. you know, the girl, but she still came to me and was on a fourth grade reading level right. at the age of five. Like, that's amazing. That's amazing. But you don't ever do stuff like that. I had another child who was, um, had some birth issues mm -hmm. and, and that hindered him greatly. But when he got to fifth grade, because mm -hmm. he was already retained in kindergarten, he did kindergarten twice. Okay. Then... Um, when he got to fifth grade, they wanted to retain him again. Mm. And the mom came to me like, yeah, this is what they're going to do. I said, they absolutely are not. I said, do you know <laughs> mm -hmm. that if you don't sign that paperwork, mm -hmm. then none of this happens? Mm. And she said, really? I said, mm -hmm. yeah. I said, you have to know. I said, your son has already been retained once. Right. So he's already a year older than his peers. I yeah. said, if he's retained twice, he's going to be two years old. Yeah. I said, then at this point, when middle school is coming, you have to be thinking about puberty. Do you want him in this room with these nine-year-olds? Exactly. You know, that kind of thing. At this point... Don't don't do that. And at this, when they're in fifth grade, peer pressure has sunk in. It has. They feel it. When they're yeah. five, they're like, okay, great. I don't care. You know, put me in kindergarten. But when you're in fifth grade, yeah. And you see your friends all gone, and now you're with the fourth grade. That's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay for your self esteem. Right. It's not. And, and then you're really not going to be focused on learning. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that causes that stress mm -hmm. and that depression, yep. and that anxiety Absolutely. all over again. It's just a repeating cycle. Right. Um, parents are the biggest advocates for their children. They are. They, have they to be. are. And there's so many parents who are not who have no voice. They they have a voice but they're not using mm -hmm. it. And when I walk into my children's school, they know me by name. Good. And, and it's not should. because my kids are bad. Right. It's because I'm involved. Right. I'm active. I'm engaged. I am I'm a part of their educational journey from beginning to the end. Good. So just being it's one thing when you have a parent that's involved 
and they have requests or they want to, you know, sit down and talk to the teacher or the principal about certain things. And then you have a parent that you haven't seen all school year that wants to come in oh May gosh. with this long list of complaints right. and concerns. And it's like, where were you like, all school you year? You saw their papers come home? Exactly. You, you saw, saw that saw progress practice? report. Exactly. You yeah. saw that report card. Oh you saw that email I sent about you. And now it's May. Your child is in danger of this, that, and the other. Now. And now it's the teacher's fault. And right. you're mad at me. And you're, mm -hmm. you know, and it's too much. Advocate for your kids all school year right. they literally when i walk in the building i no longer have to show an id <laughs> i just kind of do a little wave at the secretary hey like, how hey. you doing they're like hey miss webb go right. ahead and exactly. i go about my business mm -hmm. but that's because i'm involved from all aspects yeah. of their education right. so parents have to advocate for their that children so and they have to be in partnership with, the with their teachers Absolutely. i don't Absolutely. understand how some parents should send their kids to school and that is it how I don't know. I don't understand I don't that. Know. And I'm a parent right. and I don't understand right. that. You have to do more than just put them on the bus or drop them at the front door. And I've heard parents say, now I've taught kindergarten is my favorite. Okay. The, you know, I've been teaching for 12 years and I've taught kindergarten the longest and I've had parents, you know, if I, if I have a child who is struggling with the alphabet. Okay. I've had parents say, oh no, I don't know how to teach this. And I'm thinking, well, don't you know yours? Like, right, you know, you know right. yours. You know, say it to them, sing it to them. You exactly. Know? Parents think that teaching at home has to be this expensive. Or I don't have enough money to. You do you have a pencil and a piece of paper? Thank you. Do you have a book? Thank you. Do you have a TV where you can say, "Oh, that's Walmart." That exactly. With what letter? What else? Exactly. Do you can you, know? you go to the dollar store mm -hmm. and buy some exactly. chalk and go outside on your sidewalk you or your driveway? It's not expensive, and also it's unfair to teachers from a parent's perspective that you guys are absolutely 100% responsible for their education. Education has to be taught at home too. Right. It has to That's start so at unfair home. Mm -hmm. to you all. I don't I hate when I see parents complaining about their child isn't learning this or their child isn't getting this from right. the teacher, but what are you teaching right. them at home? Exactly. It starts at home right. it's that partnership mm -hmm. that's so important right if i want my child to thrive and do well i have to be in partnership mm -hmm. i have to be on one accord right. with my child's teacher and it's just it's more challenging mm -hmm. if, if teaching builds mm -hmm. teaching we teach in layers okay right? now that they know this we can teach this they right. know their alphabet great mm -hmm. now let's teach them to write it great exactly now let's teach them to recognize the sounds great and that is 20 times harder mm -hmm. if they come to me and they don't know the difference between a letter and a number mm. or a number and a shape mm -hmm. or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, they can't write their name. And it, it does, I'm not a parent. I'm mm -hmm. not a biological parent, but um, I, that always baffles me. I know. When, when a five-year-old comes to me and they can't write their name, I can tell they've never held a pencil, mm -hmm. a crayon. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. I don't quite understand that. I mean, I'm, there's no, I'm not judging. Right. Because I've met some parents who have been in some hellacious situations. Exactly. And I, I'm exactly. Not and this is a no judgment zone. But right. It would, it would definitely be helpful if some kind of way. Some kind um, of way. They had some level of knowledge before, yes. mm -hmm. before coming in. And also, no, like I said, in the school I'm in now, I'm learning a lot myself because it's very culturally diverse. Okay. So they may not know because where they're from, education mm -hmm. may or may not be important. They exactly. Not, so they don't know what they need to know coming to this American school. Exactly, you know? exactly. So it's not a judgment. It's just from a teacher's viewpoint. Exactly. It's so hard because then you feel like in, in May and June you're doing a disservice because it's like, do I, do I pass them on because of your language barrier? Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. That's going to be there for the next few years anyway? Mm -hmm. Or do you repeat because of your language barrier? Because mm -hmm. is that a, a, a prejudice or a... Exactly. A, like, I don't. I don't know. So education is hard. It, it's very <laughs> hard. That's why I was decisions. like, I know yeah. that I was not called right? to educate. <laughs> and when I think about so many different things that I am involved with, I'm sort of kind of on the line of a teacher, but more a teacher for adults than children. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't yeah. have that thing that you have. <laughs> you know, I just don't have right. it. I will probably be going home crying really? every day if my classroom then go as planned yeah. because I'm that type of person, if I put something in place, if I set right. an intention and it falls apart, mm -hmm. like, oh right. my, what am I going to do right. now? Because right. I want my babies to do well and they're not doing well and right. I don't know what to do. So I know that that's not my calling. Mm -hmm. And I'm so appreciative to those who have that calling because you guys shape and mold, you help shape and mold mm -hmm. our future generations. And we do. Without like, teachers, right. like where would we be literally? Literally. Literally. There's not one person 
one adult who has never experienced a teacher. Thank you. That's like the one thing we all have in common. Right. Mm -hmm. We may not have anything else in common. We may have different right. backgrounds, mm -hmm. different religions, different occupations, yep. but we've all been taught. Yep, absolutely. We've all been taught. It's so super that's important that's for forming, shaping society. That exactly, way. Mm -hmm. exactly. So my next question to you was going to be, mm -hmm. how can we as parents help our child's teacher? And I think we kind of explained some yeah. of that um, a moment ago, but is there anything else that you would like to add to that? How can the children in your classroom, how can their parents help you as a teacher? Um, just be interested. Mm -hmm. the, the most important thing is be interested. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean coming into my classroom every day. Mm -hmm. and sit. But when they get home, ask them real questions. Mm -hmm. I'll have so many parents come to me and say, well, he said, you know, I asked him how his day was, and he said, fine. Okay, well, did you go deeper? Mm -hmm. <laughs> with, with children, they don't know what that question means. Mm -hmm. They're thinking, well, I didn't get hurt. I didn't mean get, in, get in trouble, so I'm good. Right. The, the, today was fine, mm -hmm. you know. And um, But if you want to know more, show them that. So maybe you can go a little deeper. Oh, what did you eat for lunch today? Mm -hmm. Or who would you sit next to in the cafeteria? Mm -hmm. Or uh, did your friend stay on green today? Or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. what did you do in PE? Did you all do that contest mm -hmm. thing? Did you do? Whatever. Just, just be more specific. You okay. know, how was math today? Did you all do that puzzle in math? Exactly. Just be more specific. Um, or you can say, well, who was the student of the day yesterday? Or so, mm -hmm. why do you think that? That kind of thing. Just, just be involved. Okay. When they bring home a progress report or a report card. Talk to them about it, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that, that even goes back to checking a book bag. I was going to say that. Like, I did not want to <laughs> interrupt you, but bag. when I tell you, we received, um, my youngest daughter's teacher sent out an email last week. Mm -hmm. And I could tell that a parent had ruffled her feathers mm -hmm. because this child, it was a child in her classroom who continuously um, failed to do their homework. Okay. So when she emailed that child's parent, the child, e the parent emailed back and pretty much said, I ask him every day, does he have homework? And he tells me oh, no. Wow. So the teacher emailed the entire classroom, um, all of the parents, and she said, your children are in fifth grade. I know you love your children. I know you feel like you can trust your children. But if your child oh, wow. tells you that they do not have homework, they are not being truthful. Right. You need to check their book mm -hmm. bags, you need to check their homework folders. And I was saying to myself, I thought all parents did that oh. because it's what I do mm -hmm. even with my high schooler. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes she'll be like, oh no, I don't have anything. Maybe because it's not due in the next day or two. Right. It may be due the following week, but we're the type of household right. No, we're going to start on this now. We're going to be proactive mm -hmm. because we're not going to wait until the last minute. Right. We're not procrastinators in our right. household. So I give her a little more freedom because she is in high school right. and I'm trying to let her be more um, independent. But in elementary school, yes, I didn't know that was a thing for parents totally not to check their mm -hmm. child's book bags. I, I, have, I have children in my room now who have papers that I sent home in September still in their folder. How? It's March. How is that a thing? I, until she sent that email last week, I didn't know that existed. Yeah. She literally said, you need to do book bag checks every night. And I'm saying to myself, that's what we do anyway. But people don't, based on whatever, their background, maybe I've been in schools where, you know, low economic situations right. and people work two, three jobs. Mm -hmm. They don't have time for a book bag. And that's, you know, so and I like get I that said, as it's well. Not a, it's not a judgment, it's not, but, but it, would, it would definitely help. It would help your child if you were to do that. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Like check it because that shows the child. Oh, mommy or daddy is going to be checking for this. Or and it holds the child accountable. Exactly. It holds them mm -hmm. accountable to their education. Right. Because if a, they have, don't have anyone in the home holding them accountable, they're not going to be serious about it when they get to school. to them at school. Exactly. My mother was a teacher, and I could not, on progress report and report, she didn't even teach in my district. <laughs> but yet she knew all the dates that mm -hmm. progress reports and report cards mm -hmm. were coming home. And I, would, I was the first one home. And I would get a phone call, and she'd say, that progress report or report card better be sitting on the dining room table when I when walk I, that Exactly. Door. And if it wasn't, then I would get in trouble mm -hmm. just for not having it in place. Right. You know? so, Made it in plain mm -hmm. sight. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I, I don't know. It's, it's, um, I, could, I, I swear I could talk about education forever, but I also <laughs> think another thing is mm -hmm. um, the difference is I've noticed throughout my 12 years of teaching that okay. parents are getting younger. Okay. And I think that if parents are younger, if you, you know, just the mindset is different. Mm -hmm. You know, the mindset is different. So some parents may not know that they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. They may not know. Or they might be waiting for me to initiate everything. Mm -hmm. They haven't well, reached that level right. of, yeah, uh-huh, mm -hmm. yeah. Like no news is good news. Well, I haven't heard from Ms. Jackson. So exactly. okay, you mm -hmm. know, that kind of thing. Or she hasn't called me. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. It's, it's a... It's a 
I touch on that. Yeah, I touch mm -hmm. on that in a different episode um, in my generational curses episode mm -hmm. about that um, like teenage pregnancy rate and things like that that we in this society call normal. Right. And right. pretty much our children are suffering from it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I touched briefly on that yeah. in, a, in another episode, but yeah. I definitely can see how that can be a problem for the kids and for the teachers. Mm -hmm. Like, And so ultimately what I have to focus on is, you know, I, there are certain things that I will never be able to change. Yeah. I can't help you with your language. Yeah. Because I don't speak anything other than mm -hmm. English, you know. I understand. And I can't help you with what happens at home. I can pray for you for mm -hmm. what happens at mm -hmm. home because mm -hmm. I've been in those schools where the parents are working um, two, three jobs and they're exhausted. Yeah. And they're like, I, I, if I were in their shoes, I'd be tired too. Yeah. If a lot of kids shoes, are raising themselves. Yeah. Exactly. A lot of kids you know? are raising themselves and taking care of younger mm -hmm. siblings because right. the parents are out exactly. here just trying to provide. There's so much pressure now. Like, just to provide for your kids. It is. It's hard it is. being a parent. I tell people all the time, parenting is hard. Right. Like, it's not for the and faint at heart. Baby, I had a baby just a few weeks ago, mm -hmm. and I kept saying, honey, like, I've sent home two workbooks. I've sent home papers. I've sent emails. Are, is anybody practicing with you at home? Because mm -hmm. this is lost. Where is this? I gave mm -hmm. this. Where is it? Bring it back. And it was just, no, no, Miss Jackson, no, Miss Jackson. And I said, what is going on? What's what? going on? And she said, she's five. She's kindergarten. She said, my water broke at the house, and so we're staying in a hotel. Oh wow! So if your if your water in her words, yeah, if you don't have any water, you don't have any water, then you have to leave the home, yeah, so your babies can be clean, and yeah, so you can eat, and yeah. So they're staying in a hotel. It's like I, I can't compete with that. Exactly. So all I can do, whether it's your language, whether it's your water being broken, mm -hmm. whether it's you know your parents don't see you speak English, mm -hmm. the five year old speaks English, but your mother but doesn't your speak. Though. So I. I can't help those things. So all I can do is give you the best six to eight hours during the day that I can. Exactly. You know? And that goes back to us saying how some kids are already dealing with mm -hmm. the stresses that they have at home right. and then having to come to school right. and pass a standardized right. test. Exactly. You literally like have, you know, it, it's all, it comes mm -hmm. full circle. Mm -hmm. We have to stop putting this pressure on our babies. Exactly. We just have to. Exactly. I, I don't even understand why school we do that should to be them. A, a relief. It should. School should be like it should because then you read those statistics that you know sometimes school, the the food they get at school is the only food they get all day. Mm -hmm. So let's just yeah we're gonna learn. We're gonna but learn. I be your safe place. Exactly. I, be, I want this classroom to feel like home. Too, and I feel like know? that's why some kids don't like school. They right. dread going mm -hmm. to school. Stuff to deal with at home, at home. and, stuff to and deal then they get school. to school and they have more stuff to and deal nobody's with. Nobody's listening to them individually. Exactly. Exactly. And then they grow up to be these adults who can't function mm -hmm. because their childhood was just a disaster. And, and it's then, not their fault. When they have children, exactly. they're going to be those uninvolved parents because they had a bad The cycle repeats the cycle. itself. Exactly. That's a part. That's exactly. that generational mm -hmm. curse that we're trying to break here. Yep. It comes full circle. Mm -hmm. So education from any standpoint is a very important part of your child's life. Yes. It really is. It comes it is. full circle with everything involved mm -hmm. in their life. So... I don't know. I yeah. think we'll talk more about I this like later. <laughs> we'll have to because I'm over here. My brain is just processing right. and there's so many thoughts and concerns right. that I have as a parent. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, you being my friend and you're an educator, mm -hmm. there's just so much that's just running through my mind right now. Right. And we'll talk about that right. at a later date and time because for the sake of the podcast, we're right, going to stay right, on right, task. Right. Okay. So. Um, as I said earlier, I come from a family of educators, mm -hmm. um, both administrators and teachers. My grandmother, she would stay after school. She would tutor students. Mm -hmm. um, she never charged the parents mm -hmm. because she had a, like when I tell you she was called to teach, yeah. I couldn't see her being anything other than a teacher. Okay. There's no other place that she could have fit in. Nope. She was a teacher. Yeah. I mean, from the her soul down to, <laughs> she was a teacher, and everything she did, it was a lesson. Yeah, she could teach anybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen her sit down with adults and change their lives, yeah. and it's just like you were—that's what you were supposed you to do. Yeah, it's in you. It, it's in you. Mm -hmm. um, kids would be at her house on Saturdays because oh, wow. we came from a small community where everyone knew everyone. So a lot of times, <laughs> their parents came through her. And then she's oh, teaching their okay. children. Yeah. So they felt comfortable with her. They'll drop them off on a Saturday morning. She would fix them breakfast mm -hmm. and they would go over schoolwork. And I saw her do that my entire life yeah. until, you know, she became sick or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I never really saw her take care of herself a lot yeah. as a teacher. Yeah. It was a 
it was like having two full-time jobs. Yeah. And I never saw her really take time for herself. So as a teacher, what does your self-care routine look like? <laughs> I take days off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is most important. Okay. Um, I used to be that teacher when I first started. I would never take a day off. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel good. Mm -hmm. I would think, oh, no, you know, the substitute can't do what I do. Mm -hmm. um, the children, what are they going to do? Mm -hmm. You know, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you get, after you start burning yourself out, right. then, you, then you get over that. So mm -hmm. what I started doing is at the beginning of each school year, because um, school here starts in September, so teachers go back in August. Mm -hmm. So when we get our calendar, I go through the school calendar and I look for months that don't have any days off. Exactly. And if there are months that have no teacher work days or whatever, I just pick a random either Monday or Friday, mm -hmm. Mondays or Fridays. Right, so you can I, have that long right, weekend, long right, weekend. right. And I take a day off. Is it sad that I do that too at my job? Like, no, I look no. at the calendar and be you like, have we don't have a holiday this month? Ooh, oh, I need I'm a day off. <laughs> we about to make this a three-day well, weekend. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm not even an educator, and I do the elderly sit down at the beginning of the year and be like, okay, we have a holiday in January. Exactly. We have one in February. Mm -hmm. We don't have a holiday March. in March. Okay, oh, I'm this. taking this Friday this because I need a break. So, need yeah, break. you need a break. I remember taking a class, um, one of my teacher certification classes, mm -hmm. and it was a principal from the district Okay. It. Okay. And she said she takes mental health days. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, because this is when I never take a day off phase. And I remember looking at her in awe, like, but you're a principal. You take days mm -hmm. off? And she kept going. She was like, yeah, I take days off sometimes just to catch up on my laundry. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, you take a day off and you don't have anything scheduled? Right. Like, you, you, it's you just a day. <laughs> exactly. You know, you take, and I was just like, wow. And then it started clicking. Like, mm -hmm. oh, wait, we are humans. You're not a machine. A You're not a machine. Right. And so I go through the calendar. I look for day months that we don't have any days off, and mm -hmm. I take one. Mm -hmm. And even if there's a month with a day, I still take one. Um, and then the other thing that a lot of teachers will do, if I have a doctor's appointment, I'll try to schedule it at, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. be the first one there, so mm -hmm. that at noon I can go back to work. Mm -mm. Because what ends up happening is when a teacher takes a half day, if I'm going to be out in the morning, because mm -hmm. I have a dentist appointment in the morning, then I feel like I have to rush the dentist mm -hmm. so I can be back at because a half day is a certain time. Okay. Like it's eleven thirty or twelve, depending on the, the hours of your school. Okay. So that means that sub has to be there at that time. So that means okay, well the sub has to leave at eleven thirty, so I have to be back. But and I'm rushing. Mm -hmm. I'm not at school, but I'm still feeling pressure. Mm -hmm. If I take off in the afternoon, then I'm waiting, looking at my watch, like okay, the sub needs to hurry up and get here. Mm -hmm. so I have my own appointment. No. If you have a dentist appointment, doctor's appointment, whatever appointment, take the whole day. Take the day. Take another whole day. Your and class will be fine. Done, take your time. Mm -hmm. Go get lunch. Go mm -hmm. to the park. Go mm -hmm. to a movie. Mm -hmm. Like I don't. I don't know. It's it's. Take that. Pre take a day. Exactly. It's okay to take a day, and I feel like a lot of teachers don't do they, that, they and don't. then they're burned out because it also takes a minute to get sub plans ready to mm. prepare for a substitute because you have to. Make a list for them. And I swear to you, the most important thing about a substitute is leaving a list telling how the kids get home. Mm -hmm. You don't want the babies to get lost. Exactly. You know, exactly. Ask me how I know. I had that happen. <laughs> another podcast. But for another day, another right. Day. <laughs> <laughs> but getting ready for a sub mm -hmm. is, is, it can take a while. So, but do it anyway. Mm. Do it anyway. I promise you, know? you my entire childhood was, my grandma's house filled with kids that were not our family. Yeah. And I was just like, why is there always a always. random child in her house? Right. What is happening? Mm -hmm. yep. But that is, is what she did. Um, and I, I never saw her really take time for herself. So that's why I was wondering, so as a teacher, what do you do to take care of yourself? What is your self-care mm -hmm. routine? What does it look like? Yeah. So because even, I never saw that with my grandmother. Even in the classroom. Mm -hmm. You know, I teach in a very stressful environment now. And um, so I have a, a little pouch, okay. like a little pencil pouch, and I have blank index cards. Okay. And when I'm, you know, flipping through a Bible or I see an inspirational quote on Pinterest or something, then I'll write it down. Okay. And so I'll take a minute when the kids go to PE or music or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'll sit down, I'll open up my pouch, take five minutes, and I'll read, you know, whatever, you know, whatever is good, noble, true, think mm -hmm. about such things, mm -hmm. or just positivity. Because um, you have to refresh. You do. Even during the day. You do depending on the, the environment that you work in. So I think that's just super important. Um, another thing is don't compare your classroom, your teaching, your class to another teacher's class or right, teacher's style or whatever. Right. Because nine times out of ten, they're looking at you for something that you do well. Exactly. You well. all have you know, different areas mm -hmm. that you do well in, you know. Yeah. So just don't compare. Mm -hmm. And then the last thing would probably be don't compare your class and their issues 
to another class that may not have had those issues. That's just not giving your class this year a fair shot. Exactly. You know, um, don't compare classes and and that that's I'm guilty of that. So it's like I'm talking to myself right now, mm-hmm. but um, just don't because it, it, it's not going to solve anything. Mm-hmm. You know, don't say, "Oh my gosh, this class is so different." Than so mm-hmm. you're still there. They're still there. School year's not over. Exactly. Right. right. Read your pouch. <laughs> Take that index <laughs> card out. Exactly. Write down your quote mm-hmm. and keep it moving. And keep it moving. And keep it moving. I mean, I do stuff. I make sure I drink my calming tea in the morning. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I diffuse my essential oils in the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, even uh, people have their opinions on that, but that, it works for me. I love you essential know? oils, right? Like, and, I, and I, you do what you need to do. When, you, when you're away from home that long. Yeah. Taking care of other people's babies. Mm-hmm. I, I, I find it important to do what I need to do to mm-hmm. get myself through the day. I have 23 babies that don't belong to me. Exactly. That you're <laughs> so, responsible for, responsible for the it. majority of the day. And this is what people can have twins. Twins are two babies at the same time. Mm-hmm. So they're the same age. Triplets, three. Mm-hmm. But what is it when you have 23? Wow. I have 23 tuplets. Mm. <laughs> they're all the same age. But even with that, mm. they're developmentally so different. So exactly. It's, it's you know, that, that feeling of. You have two children. Mm-hmm. If you were to be, if you were to go with them right now and close your eyes, mm-hmm. and one of them started talking to you, mm-hmm. you wouldn't know which one it was. You Absolutely. Would know the tone of their voice. Exactly. And what they needed. Mm-hmm. And even if they just said, "Mom," right, I can tell them something is wrong. Exactly. That's twenty-three. Multiply that times twenty-three. Multiply that times twenty-three, and then that would let you know. Um, it's almost like you're mothering in that kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's 23 babies that aren't mine that I have to kind of accommodate for. Right. That I'm used to. I know the tone of their voice. I know what they need, but just, I don't know. So, but with that, imagine having 23 babies at your house. I couldn't. I, that's why I told <laughs> all you. All five and six years I was old, not called to that ministry. <laughs> that is not my ministry. All developmentally different. Yeah. And I don't know. So make peace where you can make peace. Exactly. If I need to read my index cards with my Bible verses, that's what I do. If I need to drink my stress relief tea, that's what I do. If I need to diffuse some peppermint and orange in my room, that's what I do. Do you it. Know? And if I need do to it. take a day off, do I'm it. taking a day off. Exactly. You know, it's so important because you're not going to do anybody any service if I'm angry. Right. With your 23 baby. You know, like, it's just not helpful. That is such great information. Mm-hmm. I feel like this podcast has just been so informative. It has. Um, I feel like I've learned a lot, you know, from a teacher's perspective as a parent. And I feel like our listeners will also gain a lot of knowledge from this episode. I hope so, yeah. so I want to close this episode with asking you a few questions from an educational standpoint. Okay. And I just want you to give me the first answer that pops into your mind. Okay, this will be fun. Regarding education, regarding teaching um, our babies, regarding the future mm-hmm. generations, okay? Mm-hmm. So the first one is, I think. Mm. What do you think when it comes to education? Mm. First thing that pops into your mind. I think, um, I think it needs to change. Okay. If I'm being honest, that's the first thing that pops into my mind. I think it needs to change. I think it needs to go back to being um, child-led, mm-hmm. child-centered, mm-hmm. not test-centered and test-led. Okay. So I think that part needs to change. Okay. I feel. What do you feel when it comes to education? Uh, I still feel energized. Okay. At the end of the day. I have babies who get excited when they know they've learned something new. Awesome. I feel energized mm-hmm. when they come to me and they, I'll pass out stuff in their, in their cubbies that they have to take home to their parents. They might say, you know, don't forget, early dismissal tomorrow or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they'll go, Miss Jackson, what does this say? Because, you know, in their minds, mm-hmm. reading only happens at the reading group table. Exactly. You know? So I'm trying to get them to expand that. Right? Reading happens everywhere. So everywhere. they'll come up to me with this piece of paper from the office, a reminder, and they'll say, Miss Jackson, what does this say? And I say, I don't know, read it. Mm-hmm. And they'll sound it out and go, early, early, dis, dis, early, dis, and I'm mm-hmm. like, good, you mm-hmm. read grown-up stuff. Right, you know? right. And like, oh my gosh, like, so then they'll go around and go, I read this out, and they'll show each other how right. to do it, and so moments like that okay. keep me energized. Awesome. Mm-hmm. The last one, I know. What do you know mm. regarding education? Right now, I know that this is where I need to be. Mm. Right now, I know that this is where I need to be. I don't know that I'm going to do it forever. I don't mm-hmm. know that this is what I'm going to do till I retire. But right now, this is where I need to be. And I also know that nothing is coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. Mm-hmm. So I know that mm-hmm. my purpose is to do whatever I need to do for the people that are under my care. 
that's a Bible verse. I'm not good at verbatim, but <laughs> there's, um, there's a Bible verse that says, you know, tend to the flock that's under your care. Yes. And this is my flock. Mm. You know what I mean? And so I have to treat them. So I can't worry about your mother. I can't worry about your father. I can't worry about the language barrier. I can't worry about the testing schedule. You are mine for these couple of hours during the day, and I'm going to do the best I can with you. So because if I don't do that, then I'm disrespecting with that Bible verse, you know, and I can't. I can't, at the end of my day, I can't do that. It, so I know I get frustrated. I raise my voice. You have to clip down, right. whatever. But at the end of the day, it's all working for the good. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I love you. Thank you so much for when accepting this um, podcast invitation. Um, when I talked to you about it, I was mm. like, listen, I really want us to, I want to do whatever the topic of your choice. Can right. you please just come on my podcast? And you were just very willing, very accepting. I appreciate you I, for I, taking the time to even do this. <laughs> and I appreciate you asking me. Yes. Um, but when I saw education, I was like, oh man, like when I sent you the notes and mm -hmm. what I wanted to, like, I could have kept going. There's so much to talk about. Um, well, hey, we might, have, have, a part we might have part two, part two exactly. in the future. We might, exactly. So I'm just, I'm just honored that you asked me and that I could be of help. Awesome. So Lavender Women, I hope that you were able to gain some knowledge from this conversation. Um, I hope that you walked away with something that you didn't know prior to listening because education is important. Mm -hmm. If you have children that are in school, get active in your child's school, become partners with your child's teacher. And also... Um, in the home, education has to happen there too. Yeah. So just keep those things in mind moving forward. And I know everyone has their set of struggles. I know everyone is doing the best that they can, but try to make your child and their education a top priority. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. So we are about to end this podcast. I hope that um, you gained some knowledge and I'm so glad to have my friend here. I'm gonna love on her for a little bit before she leaves. And as always, if you have questions, concerns, or suggestions, email me at 47lavenderseeds at gmail.com. And if not, I'll see you guys in a week. Thank you so much for listening.